Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to We Dive Deeper, episode nine. Uh, I just want to say thank you so much to anyone who has rated the podcast, who's commented on Instagram, or let me know that you're enjoying the episodes and that you like what I do, because it means so much. And I'm so grateful because I love, love, love doing this. So just thank you so much. My guest today is me. Uh, which sounds strange. I realise I've been on every single podcast you've listened to of this. But me and Anne thought it would be kind of a cool idea to have me answer some of the questions. I had no idea what was coming, obviously, and I didn't realise that I'd speak about some of the things that I speak about in this podcast. But that is the beauty of these questions. You never know where the conversation is going to go or what bits of your past it's going to pick up. So I hope you enjoy our chat. Dan, thank you for asking me the questions and taking uh, the host role of the podcast for a little bit. Um, and yeah, I really hope you guys like it. Don't forget to let me know if you do on Instagram at We Dive Deeper. And my own personal page is at Kate McGill. You can also support the podcast, patreon.com slash Kate McGill. Okay, without further ado, here is me. So, hello. Um, obviously, I've had Dan on the podcast before, um, but this time around, we thought it might be fun to do it, him asking me the questions, even though you've heard plenty from me over the past, what, 10 weeks? No, maybe even longer. I think this started back in February. Uh, but yeah, we thought it might be fun for Dan to ask me questions, and we may as well dive in deep. No small talk. No small talk at all. The- so I am going to pick number... 16. 16. Okay. Uh, which parent are you closer to and why? That was a very... <laughs> wow. Straight in with, straight with a parental in. question. Well, I mean, uh, it would have been mum. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is still mum, I think. Yeah. If you can be close to a dead person. Um, I, think I, I think I was always close to my mum. And that's not to a fault of my dad. It's just, as you may have heard on the podcast, he is... He's a bit of an enigma, really. He is quite reserved. He's not great at being emotionally vulnerable. He wasn't very tactile or affectionate when we were younger. Um, and if he was, it kind of felt a bit weird. <laughs> um, and so he he was, I think he played the classic male role and he went out and did the work and would come back and tell us all to go to bed. Like that was kind of dad's role. And it's only been in the last... I don't know, eight years, I literally made that up, um, that he has started to be kind of more involved in our lives emotionally too. But even now, I think um, I think naturally we're all, we're all pretty separate, whereas mum was the glue and she held us all together. So I'd say mum and I wish I was still close to her now, physically. I mean, I think it's interesting because um, from, from knowing you for seven years now, six years, Have seven years. Have you made years, that up too? No, 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 I, know, no. Right. I think, I mean, it was around the time Metalark started. Oh, right, yeah. Uh, I definitely, there was a there was a moment, a turning point where, because when I first met you, you were, you were still quite sour with your dad, I guess. Right. At least, I, don't, I think you had a relationship, but it was, there was, you had Some quite kind of resentment there. And I remember you, that did change after like two years and he became... Like, your mum was always your mum, for sure. Like, you were always, like, she was the most important, I think, for you as a role model and who you look to. But then your dad became this other thing, other person where I remember you 
having uh, questions about yourself and, and things that only he could answer really beyond love. You needed like someone with like expertise and someone who had like knowledge. And there was this point where he became a really important, like for a year or two, I think it was. So Yeah, was... that's so true actually. Um, besides the fact that he was a GP and stuff and I, you kind of had to be vulnerable enough to be like, dad, I need this sorting or this mental health thing. And that's kind of how we connected more emotionally was when I, wanted stuff to be sorted with my own brain and I knew that he was actually going to be the only one to be able to help me and mum of course being counsellor but um yeah I kind of forgot about that and I think with me my three other siblings don't have the kind of relationship with dad that I do which I feel very grateful to have but it means that I can ask him the questions that no one really wants to ask him which can be uncomfortable for everyone <laughs> but in doing that um our relationship has become much closer and what I've realized about dad is that you can't upset him really you can't make him uncomfortable um because he will tell you himself like that's all him that's all his stuff if he feels that that's him so if I have questions about the past and how he can rectify it with us then I just ask them and we never used to have that relationship so yeah I mean yeah, I'm probably closer to him now, but only because I have to be. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, let's go for 34. Do you know what was really interesting? I what? had this, I had this like premonition that you had memorized all of these and you were going to ask specific ones. Oh, really? So I was going to do this thing where like I was going to add a number to like, ah, to like sort of like throw, throw you off. off. But when you just sent the questions through, like, 10 minutes ago to me I realized that there's just no way you can memorize <laughs> no this many questions hell. plus that so wouldn't be like me to do no I, I want to no, be caught no. off guard no of course of course in my mind I was like I'll, I'll ask <laughs> yeah her. um is that 34 did you say yeah okay out of the negative emotions of greed anger jealousy and hate which one affects you the most jealousy I think um anger I don't think I ever feel anger. Oh, well, I don't know what that feels like in me. I feel like I've felt frustration to a crazy degree and I've been pent up, but it's never come out. I've never lashed out at someone or um, been in any way violent or that kind of anger. I've never experienced mm. that. Um, maybe it's in me somewhere, but not enough to notice it. Greed, um, I think in the kind of materialistic ways, like I'll always want more clothes or I want more food and stuff. But I think that's, even I know in those moments, like that isn't gonna make my life better or affect me. But recently actually I've been um, really practicing gratitude every morning and um, like I get in the shower and I talk to myself and I'm like, right, okay, what am I grateful for today? And I start listing the things that I'm grateful for, family, career. And I really, really think about it in my brain so that I can feel how lucky I am when I'm, when I'm saying it. And I'm just like, thank you, thank you, thank you. And in, <laughs> in that way, <clears throat> it's very hard to feel like you're lacking anything because I'm really not lacking anything. Like I'm so lucky. And what is it? Like we're in the top... 1% of people in the world or something when you have X amount of money and um, so I've got nothing at all to be in lack of so greed I don't think I struggle with um, hate I, yeah I just don't think I could hate anyone because I think at this point in my life like I've said a million times to everyone 
you just work out that everyone is just the sum total events of their life and if you were if you had been born as them grown up in that family went to that school blah 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 you would be that person too and you'd make those decisions and feel those emotions so it's hard to hate anyone as well as the fact that as cheesy as it sounds we are literally all one (laughs) and we're all part of one big consciousness of this universe um how could you hate anyone it just baffles me jealousy however I think I definitely feel too often more often than I'd like definitely in relationships that's something I struggle with but I think that was born out of a massive insecurity of not feeling worthy enough for a certain person or a certain relationship um and that my brain just went there every time and it was very hard to get out of it even though I knew objectively no I'm a good person I'm worthy of you know unconditional love I would find myself in those moments and be like damn it they are really pretty though and they're much thinner and um I'd say I struggle with that but I'd I'd love to think that the work I've been doing on myself recently would lead me to a point of not being jealous but I won't know really until I'm put that in that position again but it definitely mostly comes out in relationships that's where I feel it most and just saying that now it's probably because of that um stupid pattern I have of putting someone on a pedestal making them this the most amazing thing ever so naturally I'm going to make myself feel insecure when they do out go out with other people um so yeah it's all it's all my stuff really I think relationships just bring jealousy out of me when and I was about to say when do you think it sort of started or when do you when did you sort of do you think jealousy was always a relationship thing or do you think there was a point in your life where it's it, did it manifest itself from something earlier on in life into that or or was it literally like got a boyfriend and got jealous <laughs> um well I mean the thing that sticks out was my first relationship um hello Dave if you're listening I highly doubt you are but um there annoyingly there was a kind of a trio in our relationship it wasn't just me and Dave there was always this friend um, and they were naturally very close and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that but when you're a 16 17 18 year old you cannot see things that clearly and you can't you just think oh he's close to another girl that means x y and z um and like my prom night I mean who has a prom in the UK but prom um I was like a fifth wheel with my two other friends and their boyfriends and he was outside smoking with this girl and stuff and so I think that set the tone pretty much for every relationship and that ended because he broke up so it just the spiral starts there you start thinking oh there wasn't anything right with me and he is going to be happier elsewhere and even though you know that that's not right yeah like I said in my 29 year old brain I wouldn't let myself think like that right now but at 18 it was very I could let myself go crazy with those thoughts and I think that manifested then in every relationship but now now what's good is that I know that that is a it's a conscious thought now it's not an unconscious acting out from me so hopefully in future relationships or relationship hopefully um I can see things clearer and not uh yeah not let myself because I think those maybe those patterns are still going to come up and I'm still going to feel those feelings but I don't need to run with them anymore and I don't need to let them control me my relationship I can see them black and white hopefully 
Yeah. <laughs> That's very interesting. And so you, yeah, so you believe that it was like a learned, like jealousy is kind of a learned thing or like from a, an experience that sets it or, or at least shows you that side of yourself and then you sort of carry that with you. And, yeah. Uh, and I guess in that same way then it, it's curable that jealousy is not something we have to live with. I think a lot of people that I know uh, and the, out of those four um, emotions, emotions yeah. they definitely a lot of people believe that those they're just something they have that's something you have and you just have to deal with but i do think from learning how you get them it shows that they didn't well they we weren't born jealous yeah um that those are things that we pick up on the way and they're therefore probably things we can discard yeah before we get to the end <laughs> yeah i quite i quite like that and i think <clears throat> you can um you can do that with every emotion i think you know emotions are going to crop up you can't just disregard every emotion and only want happiness it's not going to happen but if you can see them for just what they are triggered by something else or a situation or a person then you can know when to remove yourself or how to work on that you know you can they don't have you don't have to be a slave to them essentially you can i I also think especially in relationship i think jealousy can be an important tool as well Mm. it depends on how you let it affect you i think but i think um i know from from being in a relationship that like sometimes I like to feel jealous. I like to be reminded that I, that I care and I'd care if I lost it, you know? Yeah. I think if I went through, I, I've, and I've met people who aren't jealous in any way in the relationship and I do feel like it lacks, uh, there needs to be some fear, you know what I mean? I think fear is, is an important part of life um, and we need the, just the right amount really. We yeah. Too much and we get anxiety and we get all these mental health issues because we're driven by fear and it's just living there all the time. But to, to push us and drive us and I think as beings, at one point, that was what did throw us. You know, I mean, it was like, we're going to get eaten. We need to run away. Or we're not going to starve. We need to get some food. Like, we need to get up and go. And yeah. that is fear. And uh, but I think it's become a big part of everyone's lives now. Mm. But, um, but, but yeah, I think, I think the right amount is important. I think jealousy. So I think it's interesting hearing you say about you sort of like getting that thought and, and learning from it and, and dealing with it as it crops up because then you might be able to get it to that that good level and yeah you know not that overriding thing where it suddenly ruins it, it sort of protrudes yeah, out exactly. of your thought it's safe in there but it when it comes to here and you start verbalizing it exactly and, i think you time. need to you need to know when when to let it out when it's good to be jealous because mm-hmm. that jealousy could teach you actually something really isn't right here maybe my partner's cheating on right. me yeah, yeah, <laughs> like yeah. it could take you there but a lot of the time if you can see that it's born purely out of your insecurity yeah. and there's not actually anything to be jealous of that's when you know that it's your stuff and yeah. not theirs that's very true i didn't really think about that that often the the jealousy you might be feeling was a manifestation of your own thought exactly. an assumption that sort of turns into a reality in your mind yeah i think you know if you were a really confident secure person in your relationship and you started to feel jealous that's probably a good fucking hint to be like maybe something's not right yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. very interesting okay let's go with with going through these today Mm -hmm. it feels weird answering these i'm not gonna lie yeah yeah i like i am naturally an open person especially with you but i feel like i just feel like i don't know what i'm saying but then sometimes it's good just to let the unconscious just start spitting things out oh my god is it doing that yeah (laughs) um okay 58 58 Okay. Uh, oh, this is a very interesting one. Have you ever had a religious experience? <laughs> oh man! So here we are. We finally get to tell the Meadowlark story. Yeah. Well, um, maybe even go back slightly before then. I mean, yeah, you went from being start at the beginning. Like, yeah. have you ever have you ever been religious? 
Well, okay, so I was definitely bought mum sent us to Catholic schools. That mm. was always a thing growing up. You kind of went to midnight mass every now and again. Um, but was, very... that, was that because your family were religious or was it more about getting the right education? Yeah, I think it was more that. But mum mum kind of grew up Catholic and okay. had that mindset for a, definitely while we were children anyway. It wasn't strict by any means. I think she was just like, oh, I'll enjoy them if they go to that right. school. Yeah, yeah. Um, but quickly, quickly learn in that type of environment that, um, you know, like that song, The Key, that I wrote on the Replaced album, yeah. <laughs> Show Up. Um kind of quickly learned that in school when you're like at mass and there's just herds of children just chanting the same prayer and no one has a fucking clue what they're saying or what it means or where it's come from like you just have been taught to say it and you can regurgitate it that was it that felt very um cult-like and I remember just looking around being like this is fucking weird so I like very quickly learned to just not engage with that um religious aspect at all and then when I was 20, um, just before the Replaced album, my manager at the time was like, go and work with this guy um, up in Bristol. And so I came up here and I didn't know at the time, but the complex where we were working on music was kind of a Christian complex, that thing. So everyone that I was meeting throughout those coming weeks were Christian people. And thank God I went there because I have met two of my absolute best friends there <laughs> that remain my best friends to this day um but I also met some people that shaped my life in a crazy way um not necessarily the best way but it's you know it all comes around and you you learn and grow um I probably I probably won't go into that in too much detail but because of this experience that I had whilst writing recording replaced I very much delved into kind of the Christian culture and the Christian way of living. And I went to some Christian festivals um, and really kind of committed to that for a while and really thought that that was the way I wanted to go, I guess. And um, I moved into Bristol then up from Plymouth and started living with Emily and Kat, my two best friends who are Christians um, and another girl. And it just it very quickly became my way of life. And so I started kind of praying more. And actually, a lot of the stuff that I do now, spiritually, is all very much the same. Like, I learned how to be really, really generous and really grateful for things and to focus on the good in people and all that <laughs> stuff that's in every religion, that unites every religion that was very much the catalyst for me becoming this person that I am today. Um, and I'm sure that you remember times when you met Kat and Emily and they completely changed your life because mm -hmm. they're just such happy, positive people. So that was an amazing start. <clears throat> but to get on to the Meadowlark thing, um, my brain and memory is so hazy. So I can probably I, help fill in the yeah, <laughs> My like dates and stuff, I don't know, but... I guess, yeah, it must have been around <clears throat> 2012, 2013, no, 2012, end of 2012. Um, and I wanted to stop the YouTube thing. I think I'd gotten to the point where I, all these covers on YouTube were doing really well. <clears throat> Sorry, what's wrong with me today? Frog in my throat. All the covers on YouTube were doing well. If you searched Kate McGill on Google, it was just 
she's known for her cover of Mumford and Sons and Adele and and I was like damn I really don't want to be known for this stuff and I just felt a very big a gut instinct that I should just not do YouTube anymore it wasn't fueling my solo stuff it wasn't fueling my creativity for songwriting it was just making me cover other people's songs Um, and I knew that I didn't really want to do that so I made a very impulsive very impulsive which is me all over video and just said that this is my last ever YouTube video I don't want to do this anymore I want to focus on my own stuff and then just after that I think you came up to see the tallest man on earth in Bristol and we hadn't really like been that friendly since you did the cursed video for me um but we all went out we went to ramshackle like we had the best time and was that the same time yeah these are where my dates get hazy and then you left and I remember ringing you after being like do you want to would you fancy like writing together sometime and you were like that is crazy like me and Carl have just had the exact same thoughts that would be absolutely amazing and it wasn't long until I came down to Plymouth and we were writing together and it felt so natural and easy and it was at that moment I was like damn this is this is why why I quit the YouTube thing like I'm so like I really think that when when something's right for you doors will just open that's what's meant to happen um so we started writing together everything felt really easy and we kind of knew that we wanted to make this band a thing and then it came down to picking the name for the band so this is where the religious experience this is where the religious experience comes in so I was on my way back from Plymouth thinking of names for the band and I started thinking of um loads of bird names because I just thought bird names were cool and I feel like we had like field fair and skylark and meadowlark and stuff so I was writing them all down and I feel like I'm gonna forget something writing them all down and then I got home and I was talking with Emily and Kat and the girls about this band name and the whole decision and that was it I was getting uh, lots of comments on the YouTube video this last ever YouTube video being like this is a bad decision you're just throwing this all away and that was kind of eating away at my brain because I thought am I and I really feel like this is right but maybe this isn't right um and so yeah I was thinking all these names and Emily my best friend she was like do you mind if I like pray with you and for you that this this will all become a bit more clearer and that you have a bit more clarity about this decision and the band and whatever else so I was like okay cool so she prayed for me in her room and you know that was it didn't really think anything of it and then we were all in the lounge like an hour or so later we were listening to Christian music I think I mean I make it sound like we were these crazy crazy (laughs) Jesus loving people it really wasn't that intense it was very chill um, we were listening to music and I was looking at this YouTube video and it, back in the day on YouTube you could have video responses like no one can remember a YouTube like that but you could have video responses and um, I saw that there was just one video response and the thumbnail was a picture of a meadowlark and I had only ever seen this bird like four hours previously on the train because it's such a distinct bird it's got a yellow belly and a black v and and, and no one no like knew, i hadn't even yeah, yeah didn't even know like i'd literally just thought of this name for a yeah. band earlier i don't think you'd even told us this no idea. i hadn't i think we had like a facebook group did, <laughs> which yeah, is we weird yeah. um so i saw this 
um, thumbnail and I was like, what the hell? I swear to God, that's a meadowlark. This is so strange. So I clicked on the video and everything was like in Spanish, I think. And the, I shit you not, the title in Spanish to English said something like from the beyond or like beyond. I'm not even joking. And the video was pictures of a meadowlark, pictures of me and pictures of the cross. And <laughs> it was, uh, and like, what the actual hell? How could you explain that? So I was just dumbfounded. And I was like say, saying to Emily and Kat, like, look at this. Like, where the hell is this come from? I had not said this name to anyone. Um, and I just remember kind of crying my eyes out at that point. Because I was like, could you get a more clearer sign? Even now saying it, I'm like, did I make this all up? Because that no, is cause fucking you showed, crazy. You showed me the video. Yeah. And I was like, surely one of those two went and did it but they didn't no. and so i'm just it, it is kind of mad that someone just i mean they may have just made it and put the bird in because they're like that's a nice bird and it sort of signifies whatever it signifies but it was specifically a meadowlark and we and you specifically had fell in love with that band name and it was yeah it was crazy and then just after that my friend cat she was like i've got you a christmas present but i really think i should give it to you now and she came in and there was, was like this card, I think it was a card, again, hazy memory, with a bird on it. And it said, um, be brave, you were born to fly. And I was like, cheers. <laughs> I just felt like everything yeah. was just colliding. And I was like, okay, well, I guess Meadowlark's the name of our band. And it was, it really was a crazy experience. But even, even that, I, I don't think I could put that down to Jesus. I I don't know. I don't know. And I'm not, I can't I mean, claim I think, to know we, the world and the way it yeah, works. We, but I know definitely in the last couple of years, we've sort of said the universe shows us. Mm. And I think, and that's, and, and I think from, from an observational point of view, from where you've gone from that, and like you were saying earlier, it sort of, it has, you do sort of pray now. It's, it just isn't to someone, it's to everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, and, and to yourself as well, I think. Um, I have no idea where I was going about to go. I had to go on an absolute tangent on it. But yeah, I think um, it's just, it's very similar basically. And I feel like, you know, where you say now it's, I don't, you don't think it was Jesus, but it definitely was something. It was a sign. It was a sign if not from anywhere. Exactly. But it sent you on this path. And sometimes we just, I don't know, it's nice to have a reminder that we're on the right track. Yeah. And, and, and where that comes it, from. what an amazing way to start the band though. Because mm. even, even you guys and Carl, bless him, not in the kind of airy fairy space that I was. I think even he was like, that's fucking weird. Um, and then to start that metal art journey and then have the Bastille show and Gabrielle Upman shows and stuff. I think what, it was such a solid thing to start this band yeah, on. And I that's that will forever remain a very cool section of yeah. life. Um, but do you believe in fate? And what do you, like, what's your opinions on kind of spirituality and stuff? I don't know about, I don't think something's written in for us. I think things can change, but I, I do believe that there is something that steers us, whether it's our own, uh, something above the layer of consciousness that we live on or whether it's something above that. Um, I, I don't really know. And I find it really hard to explain or, cause it's not, not a tangible thing. Yeah. It's difficult to imagine what that even looks like. And... I think that that is spirituality though. Mm. It cannot be explained and can't be seen it you can't like it can be tangible enough at some points if you have those experiences but you can't explain it you yeah. can write it down with words i mean if you think about it as humans we've kind of defied the laws of 
don't know, animals. I mean, we, we, were, we were once animals and we've evolved. And the only issue is now that we need to catch up consciously. Um, you know, we always hear this on podcasts and we talk about it. Um, and I think that's exactly what spirituality is, is, is as well. I think it's as much about us as it is about everyone else and about how we combine ourselves. You know, I mean, it's, mm-hmm. we've, uh, you know, there's been lots of things over time where greed's got into play and conservatism and people sort of think about themselves and their family. And I guess there is a sort of element of like, I must protect what is mine and what's close. But I think we're at a stage now where like we've created some of a world, not all of it. There's many dangerous places to live and not everyone's getting that kind of care but a world where we now can start thinking about everyone else mm-hmm. as well. And maybe start thinking about, you know, why is it in, like, the earth is tiny. And, and yet, like, there's these invisible lines that yeah. say, oh, over here you're allowed to have all this stuff for free. And you get looked after. And over here you're in poverty and famine. And that's just the way it is. That's just the way it is. That's your life you're born in. It's like, I don't feel like that's that's right, surely. It's mental. And um, I know this is completely not like that, but... Even I was just randomly thinking the other day, like, oh, man, how cool would it be to live in L.A. for a bit? And I was like, oh, probably couldn't do that as easily as I wanted. You mm-hmm. can't just you go. can't just go a couple, like, thousand miles and just go live somewhere. You no. literally just can't. You're not allowed. And mm-hmm. if you can, you have to pay a shitload of money and go through a hell of a lot of hoops just to live somewhere else on this planet. It's yeah. mental. Yeah, yeah. Because you get the the all the perks, I guess, the perks of that place. But it, it's just very interesting that we haven't sort of that everyone hasn't got together and just made a blanket world. But maybe it wouldn't work. I don't know. Maybe yeah. they're the yin and yang. There has to be this pain and suffering for there to be... And I don't know. I mean, it's difficult to say. You know, and people... I've listened to dozens of people talk about the utopian dream. And then when they start delving into it, they realise actually that, you know, it's, would that work? Would that even work? I yeah. Know. I like to think it would on a human level that we could all live in harmony, but... But that I, that's why I think... And yeah, maybe this is where my spirituality comes to into play, but... I think things have to become spiritual in a way to evolve now. Like we've done as much as we can physically. <laughs> I feel like we need to go up into a higher level of consciousness where yeah. you, that, cause it's only then that you realize how one we all are and we are just, and then that layer above the consciousness, that quietness, that's what we all are. It's all this other crap stuff in the middle that we're not. <laughs> And I think it's only until you can get some sense of that that you'd stop being angry, greedy, jealous, all yeah. that kind of stuff. I think the sad thing is that the internet, and it always comes into a conversation, but it is kind of stopping that happening. It is because we've got this window now and jealousy and greed and stuff. It's so apparent. Um, and we're not, we're not, we're like a hive mind, but like a computer hive mind where we're fed what we're meant to like through advertising and through everyone else's ideas. I don't think you have to very much be, I mean, you're at the moment practicing it and finding a way to like quiet your mind and come out of that and, and to do things, but that's only a, a certain part of a day. And, uh, you know, other times we're connected and we're then absorbing and regurgitating that. And it becomes like we've fed things. Yeah. I think the only way we could become, I guess, a society or a, a huge collective consciousness of everyone on the same level is if that disappeared and we can start seeing people with humans, not as a window into this advertising world. I don't know. I think I think I disagree because all this stuff is going to be here regardless. We can't get rid of mm. all of this stuff. It's here. I think it's about learning to use it as a tool to teach you all that stuff. So, you know, yes, I meditate. You feel good. But it is to keep you going throughout the day. So when I'm on my phone on Twitter and I start being like, oh, God, that person's this. I start being judgmental or whatever. 
the meditation and that quietness teaches you to be like none of this this doesn't matter I'm going to put down my phone it's making me feel all these feelings having these thoughts they're not it's not real it's not yeah. what matters right. so you put that right. down and you're like it's, it kind of gives you the perspective shift that you need and I think every, there's everyone has enough of something and I think everyone's realizing that now you know with social media you kind of you know when your limit is now because you've had so much of it it's like you know what actually I've realized after five years of using it intensely that it's not good for me anymore so I'm at my peak I'm going to start only using it for a couple of hours a day and you kind of need the entourage of it all to then realize where to go you know that's very true mm. I guess yeah I guess that if, if that was the way people were educated now is to sort of to start viewing it that way then yeah you are probably right it could become an asset and a tool that is picked up and used rather than something that sort of yeah and like people it drives people you know, yeah because so, um, that's yeah. this this you know this book the power of now i'm sure many people have read it but he kind of says that about um like any emotion or anything that you're feeling or someone's being really annoying or there's a car alarm or something use that to rather than just get sit there and be annoyed at it which is resisting the moment as it is you mm -hmm. can't get rid of it so you may as well learn to be at peace with it and to use it to be more present you know and it's fucking hard <laughs> not claiming in any way to have yeah. sussed it because i'm still doing it every day but i think if you can use it you can only you can only go up then it doesn't have to keep you down in this horrible state you know yeah very true, very true. okay New let's number. go for um 82 oh there is no 82 no, up to 69 <laughs> oh, oh up to 69 wait they were meant to be 70 okay um why did i think 82 uh okay 66 66 okay uh are, <laughs> are you good at taking criticism <laughs> uh everything in me wants to say yes but i don't think so and you're shaking your head like <laughs> no <laughs> both, both of us aren't i don't think we're we're very protective of our art so. yeah i think i've had a couple um especially when it comes to music mm. and my ex will gladly share in this story too but i think i was showing him appetite and he like there was something in it that made him laugh and that was it i was like <laughs> I was shut down. I was like, no, I'm never showing you anything ever again. And even though I could very much see myself doing that, like objectively, like, Kate, just go and show him the song. It's not a big deal. Everything in you is so hurt. Um, I'd like, I think music, yeah, I am not in any way good at taking criticism. I'd like to think if someone kind of, not attacked, but said something about the way I was being, I'd like to think that I'd be able to hear that because I want to be better. I want to be a better person for everyone. Um, but it's weird. I think if someone was to kind of criticize something I'd say, I'd probably feel even more defensive because I'd be like, what the hell? I've done so much work on myself. Like, why are you saying that? I'm obviously not meaning to do that, blah, blah, blah. And I'd probably get more defensive. And I know me and my stepsister, stepsister? Fucking hell. Sister-in-law have had um, those kind of conversations. So I think... It's something I'm working on. <laughs> yeah. So the answer is no, you're not. Ready I don't to... think I am, though. No. But then I, I don't know many people that are, and especially given the kind of volatile world we live in now where criticism is delivered quite harshly. I mean, it's you're no longer bumping shoulders and being like, oh, I wasn't a fan of that thing you did the other day. Now it's like someone just saying outright the worst things possible 
from behind the computer screen exactly or a phone um but yeah so i think everyone now is and also i think we're in a, in a world where everyone feels like they're allowed to be right and what they're doing is right no, no matter what mm-hmm. everyone has now become like a critic or like a, but also a, a leader of some sort but you uh, do like a lot a lot of stuff like how and you have to get criticism really when people are like change this i don't like this like how yeah. do you deal with that i mean it, it's it sucks i mean but sometimes you can sort of if it's not it doesn't feel as personal when you've sort of you've done something for money and then someone's criticizing you like well it was the best of my ability you don't like it and i, I think over time i've learned to be like to, to understand that we have just different tastes as mm. humans and that what i deem is really good or tastes really good or whatever someone asking me like it's horrible or i don't like that look or and it could be down to like stupid things when you really break it down you know why they don't like it you think that's just there's going to be a differing opinion here yeah um what it really reflects is, is how they tell you and i think that says more about them the way they criticize than how for me it's the only way to criticize is constructively it's not fair to go i just don't like it it's rubbish it's like well what why is it rubbish is it something you think they could change if not then why are you telling it you know yeah like bring solutions not yeah problems. It's totally and and so so when someone else delivers me that i then try and imagine what they're trying like what the criticism is you know it's like when you when you break it down and be like well they said that maybe it means maybe it means this so maybe like i can discard 80 percent of their criticism because it's just hard it's just not very nice but maybe 20% is, is, is right. Maybe that right. it's something they didn't like about that. That's something I need to look at. Yeah. And then take that and apply it in a very gentle way and not change my life because of it. Yeah. Has has getting more criticism just because that's your job helped you yeah. get criticism? Yeah. Are you but, less kind of sensitive to it now? I think so. But certain things are di- more difficult. <laughs> yeah. It depends how much personal like... Uh, intro, Time. Yeah, yeah. How much energy you put into something. Because then, then it does feel... It's, it's, I mean, as you know, like... <laughs> and I send you songs and I don't like it it's like oh damn <laughs> you know yeah. and it takes a day for me to sort of like to, to register that and then Lick maybe go back and, yeah and, and go yeah. back and listen to it and go yeah, do you know what maybe it's not that good you know? yeah. like you're just attached to it because it's new and fresh and, and it's, it is so natural if you're going to spend that much time and energy on something and you're building it mm. and building stuff that you like on it of yeah. course you're going to be like huh yeah Um. that's yeah that's difficult I, that's that's just a that's never going to get easy, is it? I just want <laughs> it's, just I, it's, just, and yeah, when it's such a per- art. It's personal, and for me, the, the the job, the video stuff, is so easy to be like. If you don't like it, that's cool, whatever. But like the the music's very difficult, yeah, because <laughs> it's like that feels like I'm just taking a little bit of my soul and putting it across the table, <laughs> and being like, "What do you think?" And I was like, "Well, no, it's like, yeah." Oh, <laughs> yeah. So it's, but it, that's 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 a me thing, you know. It's not down to other people. Yeah. So. What an interesting question. I know. I do like that one. Yeah. Okay, let's go for nothing above seventy k. Um, 21. 21. Okay. Um, if you had the ability to erase something that you did in the past, what would it be? <laughs> oh, wow. Um, <laughs> uh, oh God, Dan, you were there. I was, oh my God. <laughs> you still think about it. I do. I still think about yeah. it every day. It tears right. me up tell us a story this is so gonna be a boring i mean maybe it's not gonna be boring because it's maybe it shows something very animalistic in me but me and dan were just walking through bristol and oh god i'm ashamed to say it this guy dropped like a tenner 20 pound note 20 pound even worse (laughs) dropped 20 pound note on the floor i saw him drop it and nothing in me went to pick it up and give it to him it was such a like instinctive run and grab it and start walking away 
And naturally, I mean, it happened in like split seconds. So the guy, I didn't even know what you'd done. Exactly. You just zipped off, came exactly. back, and, I, and then some guy... Well, yeah. yeah and then the guy obviously saw me pick it up and came back and was like can I have my money please and I was like oh my god of course sorry and after that I was like Kate what the hell like why did you just it steal was that baffling yeah like so and so like not in my character no. to do that but it felt so I don't know and there's a, there's another time <laughs> get it out <laughs> yeah the, and this is it's just crazy it just shows how you can hopefully grow and learn so much mm. but i must have been like 10 and there was this i told you this I right you're like I fucking <laughs> there was this girl that lived like just up the road <laughs> and um it was her birthday just to make things 10 times worse and she i went up we were in her bedroom and she was really excited because her parents gave her money and that was a 10 pound because i remember that and she was like yeah mom and dad gave me 10 pound or mommy and daddy at that point i don't know and then she went to the toilet and I went in the drawer and nicked it. I just nicked the £10 from her drawer on her birthday and went <laughs> home. And I remember saying to mum, like, oh, they just gave me £10. She obviously saw that bullshit and was like, obviously, that never happened. Why would they just give you money? Never saw that tenner again. So essentially, mum stole the £10. And if you want to make a dead woman feel guilty, go for it. So, okay, <laughs> so this is really interesting because... Who does that? Yeah, and and like the, the person I know d- doesn't do that. <laughs> of so course. so it's definitely something that buried deep in you because I mean, for example, you raised how much money for charity? For eight grand. Eight grand yeah. for fasting for like five days. Mm. Um, <laughs> well done. Me so so yeah, well done. Um, it's incredible to raise that much money, like so altruistically as well, like to to give to something else. Um, so those when I hear those stories and I witness one definitely like it, i mean like i said you just peeled off for a second came back and then before i even asked where you went some guy tapped on the shoulder and i was like what just happened and you sort of came out of the haze like i don't know what i just did i don't <laughs> oh, know why it's horrible. so so i definitely think so i what's an interesting thing for me is do you think that came from somewhere like maybe not having or someone you saw take took something and that was deemed okay like where i i mean maybe very like very possibly but I definitely didn't grow up in lack. Like, mum and dad, we were fine. Like, dad was a doctor. Um, we lived in a nice house. Like, there wasn't any lack there. So there'd be no need for me to steal. I think we all, I mean, I say we all. Maybe this is a moment where I find out we all didn't do this. But as kids, or definitely as children, you'd always kind of get... <laughs> maybe you would... I'd always go into, like, mum's purse and take a couple pounds okay, or, like, okay, 10p okay. Wow. and stuff. Um, but I always just, well I think that's the origin yeah maybe <laughs> I always just assumed every kid did that but I've like <laughs> I have to make clear I do not think theft is good I don't think you should do it it's not right um, and I would never in a million years do that today but um, yeah maybe <laughs> maybe it came from stealing money from mum's purse I think it, I feel like it has to I mean, and uh, interesting enough I had an experience when I was seven where I think we were in Ikea, which is, we, we didn't have a local Ikea, so I remember it being quite a big day out to go to one, maybe in London or something, or Southampton, I think it was. Um, not that it really matters. And we were at the cashier, and it was hectic. I mean, Ikea is mental, and when you're like seven or eight, or whatever it was, I was, however old I was, it was pretty crazy. And I remember finding 20 pounds on the floor, and I, and I sort of picked it up, and I was a bit confused, and I was like, who, 
no one no one sort of was rushing to me so i went to my dad and said like i've just found this and he's like well hold it up and see if anyone it, it is anyone's so i held it up literally just stood there in, in the little part after the cashier sort of bit when the lane where everyone sort of peels off just held this money up and eventually my dad obviously scanned all the stuff and was like right when well, no one's collected it no one's come to you you've asked people right you can have that it's yours and i was like okay so i wonder if you know having experience like that then sort of taught me very concretely like if you find money always make you know, sure that it isn't someone else's yeah. first and i remember multiple experiences of finding wallets and stuff and just and my dad be like, don't even open it just hand it straight in don't even look yeah like, don't even think because you'll see the money and you'll take it yeah so, i think i say i'd like I, no i think that if i saw a wallet i don't think anything would me open it up and take money no i really don't think i'd no. have that in me if it was someone's wallet with cards and stuff I'd hand that in. But if I think a note it falls was, from the hand. Yeah, I think if it's just like, just money. Because yeah. there's a sense of belonging when it's in a wallet. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Yeah. When there's just, even if you have just seen someone, you literally know who it belongs to. Mm-hmm. When there's just a note that's just money on the floor, I feel yeah. like in my head, maybe that's just, that doesn't belong to anyone. It's on the yeah, floor. Yeah, yeah. My, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where my crazy brain no. But that was what, that must have been, what, only like five years ago that yeah, that happened. Yeah, less probably, I think, yeah. It no, was last week. Yeah, it was, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's this morning before we start yeah. the podcast. Okay, right. Let's do one more. I feel like actually we've gone on loads. We've, really? We've got loads, but I, I should have looked at the time really when we started. But... Uh, I think it was around 12.38 when you sent me the questions. So it wasn't far off we started. Okay, cool. So, um, Oh yeah, the question. I mean, yeah. uh, 28. 28 is... Uh, when have you caused the most harm to yourself? Ooh, that is a good question. When have I caused the most harm to myself? I mean, physically, there was definitely a period when I was 18. And even like now looking back, it's again, so unlike me to do this, but I cut my wrist a couple times and that was purely out of a crazy heartbreak the first love just broken up with me and I was just so sad. Um, and I remember listening to like James Morrison, the pieces don't fit anymore with my headphones. And I feel like it was a Saturday night cause Steven and his friends were in the garage. Kind of remember it, but just, it wasn't out of like a, you know, people who self harm have, you know, mental health problems. This was just me probably being a bit, dramatic and I, I mean that purely for me let me just clarify I think self-harm needs to be dealt with and I think it's important but for me at that time it wasn't out of a you know I don't want to live anymore or I hate myself so, it was... uh, so when we say cut wrist are you, are we talk talking like they you it wasn't like a I mean we talking cut cut or are we talking no like scrap? tiny slits right, like okay. tiny slits right, right. um yeah I I don't even I can't even tend to know what my mentality was I can't remember what I was thinking but probably just a 18 year old girl I'm really really sad how can I show the world I'm more sad you know I don't think it was anything more than that I never did it again um but yeah I think that's probably the most physical harm I've caused myself but emotionally bloody hell every single day tormenting myself um definitely last year before mum died just in my kind of depressive hole um and being in that relationship I my self-esteem was so low and I would just berate myself daily about how fat I was or 
how much I didn't deserve whatever was happening for me and you know just just constant constant berating myself for whatever reason um and that caused me a lot of emotional harm and probably will carry me through the next few years all these kind of thoughts and stuff but one thing for sure that I know now is that I just do not let myself talk about myself like that in my head anymore it just doesn't happen and as soon as it does I actively stop and say no I don't talk about myself like that anymore um and it just it's crazy I can't even I don't even know when it happened it's just I do not let myself talk badly about myself anymore which I'm so glad about because I don't deserve to be spoken to like that by myself or anyone and when you think about you know the classic would you talk to your friend like that of course you wouldn't regardless of who they are what they've done what situation they're in they deserve love and forgiveness and everything in between you'd never speak to them like that so why would you yourself and that is one of the biggest things I've learned is just to be kinder to yourself like we're all we're all really struggling we all have problems we all have really really crap days things can be really really crap so give yourself a break when you're struggling or if you make a mistake or you say the wrong thing to someone it doesn't make you a bad person it just makes you a human in this world trying to figure stuff out and as long as you can see things for what they are and you're like okay I don't want to do that again I don't want to act in this way again I want to be better that's all you can do um and so yeah I cause myself a lot of emotional harm just throughout living but I refuse to do that anymore I don't deserve it I think it's been like the biggest thing as a friend watching you go through it is the transformation between that Kate and the Kate I'm sat across the table with now which is pretty incredible um especially given circumstantially what's happened I mean you were already in the worst place I've ever seen you prior to your mum passing away and and your boyfriend leaving you um and I think to, to to have that baggage anyway, to go through that stuff and then to be like, it's just, yeah, have to praise it. So. Thanks. Thanks, Dan. Um, and it's incredible. What about you? Have you ever caused yourself physical or emotional harm? I mean, you're kind of going through something right now. Is that something you'd be yeah. up for sharing? I guess, I guess, yeah. I mean, maybe not full detail because I don't even know what it is. Yeah. Um, I definitely think I've maybe like burnt. And now I think I now I've felt what burning yourself out feels like. Right. I don't think physically. Um if that's what it is, um, I seem to have some symptoms at the moment that suggest that I'm not well. <laughs> um, and speaking to doctors and nurses, I feel like they're very much thinking it could be like an anxiety related thing, um, which in which case would be self self caused, I think, um, from just overworking, taking too much on. Um, and I, yeah, I feel like, but I've never, I never have hurt myself purposely, physically, I don't think ever um not not intended to anyway this seems to be like you know not an intention yeah of course but it is interesting i mean in those moments you you have a bit of a wake up call and realize that like you have a choice it, when you in those dark moments and whatever's happened to you um and you're you've caused this harm whether you meant to or not that is then a a, a road you can pick two paths one is to carry on exactly the same way which is what you said you had as well. In both situations, you said physical, the physical harm and the emotional, or you change it because, and it seems crazy to think anyone would want to, would want to stand that path. And it is a choice you choose and it's not easy. And you'll keep getting pulled back to that path every other day. 
but you just know you want to walk down that way and it's going to take you to the most beautiful place rather than the darkest hole that that one leads to. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I don't know if that was the question intended to go, but it's certainly a a realization that um, whatever, if you're causing pain to yourself um, in whatever way, that is a, that's a, that's a decision-making moment, I think, where you have to change. Yeah, and I think as well that you have to be aware enough of your own brain to be able to step back and be like, oh, hang on a minute, I just spent the last five minutes being really mean about myself. Like, mm-hmm. Rather than being so in your head and so identified with thought that you can't see. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Like, yeah. If you are in that and you're like, no, I really am the fucking worst person ever, you're never going to be able to see above that. You almost mm-hmm. need to be learn mindfulness so you can watch your thoughts and be like, oh, God, I was horrible to myself then. I'm going to make sure that now, as soon as I've noticed that I'm being that way, that mm-hmm. I step back. But it's hard i mean that's what that's why they're called patterns they're so ingrained in us yeah, yeah. you know even the physical stuff like you drinking too much coffee or whatever yeah. it is they're so ingrained in our everyday to life that that to change them is notoriously difficult yeah. it's not something that is going to happen overnight or in a week or even a month um i think we're in a part of our life as well now where when we were at school and college and that kind of stuff, we're we're learning and we're being told that that's how we have to live is to absorb and to change and to grow and to and now we're in our I mean you're late twenties I'm thirty now is it's it's almost impossible you feel like you've already chosen the character in the game you know yeah. I mean, it's like all the attributes are there you can't change that now um, so it's really hard it is really hard and I've, but so satisfying when you do and yeah. you can look back and be like that was so unhealthy for me and I have completely flipped on its head and I yeah. don't do that anymore i don't do those things um it's the same with drugs i really look forward to that not being a part of my life anymore and i say look forward to is because i know i know that i still have everything in me that wants to go and do some drugs on a weekend or whatever um and so maybe you know at this point in my life maybe i don't want to get rid of it enough to do anything about it but i also know how just meh it is and how non- life-giving it is to my life um so lots of things like that that you and that's what being a human is i think it's just growing enough to be able to look back and be like okay i need to do this differently i really want to be a better person there blah 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 so that at the end of your life you can be like shit when i was 18 i was an absolute cunt and now now i'm essentially buddha you just you just as long as you're growing you cannot go wrong yeah i think that's it and as long as ever you're sort of caring for people around you and and thinking positively and inflicting that in some way i think that's yeah that's all you can do really in the time mm-hmm. you've got <laughs> go team yeah high five <laughs> across the table well thank you for listening i hope you enjoyed me rambling on today i feel like i just said loads of shit but i hope you enjoyed dan you dan you it was kind of a daniel but i'd never call you daniel no. dan thanks for asking me the questions thank you for agreeing to do it you're welcome and um you are welcome back anytime you're fun to talk to <laughs> all right bye so there you have it (laughs) there is me in all my glory uh i'm kind of now when i think back to that podcast i'm like did i sound too airy fairy and spiritual and weird i don't know maybe i did but i'm glad that you guys got to hear a bit more about me um don't forget to subscribe if you like this podcast and share it far and wide it helps me so much and i'd be forever grateful And I hope you have an amazing couple of weeks. Thanks so, so much for listening. I love you all. And don't forget that if you're going through something really gross right now, 
it's all temporary. Everything is temporary and it's going to be okay. I promise you that. Have a good couple weeks. Bye.